This is our last week on our shipwrecked message series, and I did it late in the the year for a reason. As we enter into 2024, there's going to be plenty of opportunities for us to become shipwrecked in our faith, because honestly, 2024 could be a little bit of a rocky and turbulent year. It is a presidential year, and whenever there's presidential years, they can be um, a a little bit more rocky than most, Um, and and this one may be even more than normal. Uh, We can be certain that the median politicians will be trying to uh, stoke up racial tensions in in a way of uh, trying to uh, pit us against each other and, and different sides vying for different votes and such. Um, You can be certain of this, the people on the left will say if someone on the right is elected president, this country will cease to exist, and the people on the right will say, listen, if the the president's re-elected, the country will cease to exist, That, that will go on on both sides. We've got the trials of, potential trials of the former president, and that's going to send some real shock waves through our country. Um, there's continued wars across this world, and, and, and they don't look like they're any closer to being resolved. Not to mention, we continue to live in a time of moral decay, and this country suffers as a result of it. So it's very possible that this coming year has the potential of becoming shipwrecked all on its own. Now, how do we keep from becoming shipwrecked as it it could be a very rocky 2024? Um, Ultimately, we have to be sure that we anchor ourselves in the Word of God. If we anchor ourselves in the Word of God, then regardless of how messy 2024 turns out to be, we can keep from becoming shipwrecked with everything that's going on. There's a a couple different passages that I want to talk to you about as we kind of kick off this message this morning and we uh, consider what is ahead of us in 2024. You know, normally the the day before the the New New Year's, uh, we might talk about goals or, or different things that we would have for the coming year. This is a goal that I always have for myself uh, every year, and it would be a good goal for all of us in here. And, and really, it, it comes off of a, a passage that has always interested me and, and intrigued me from Joshua chapter 5. It's when Israel is going into battle in the promised land against the the great and mighty city of Jericho. It's an interaction that Joshua has with the commander of the army of the Lord. Let's take a look at that passage from Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 to 14. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or are you for our enemies? And look at that reply, neither. This is the commander of the army of the Lord being asked by the leader of the children of God, are you for us or are you against us? An unusual answer, neither. He says, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? I've loved that passage. I've always loved that passage because it doesn't 
on the surface, seemed to make sense that the commander of the army of the Lord would not be for Israel, the, the children of God, but he's not. If God had told the commander of the army of the Lord to strike Israel down, he would have struck him down right there and then. Because his allegiance is to God and not to man. And that's always my goal, is that I would live that way. That I'm neither for nor against anyone. I mean, honestly, I would love to preach feel-good messages to you. I would love to give messages that, you know, on the way out, you'd be like, wow, that was inspiring. Great message, Pastor Greg. I'd love to tell you that, you know, regardless of whatever you're, you're struggling with in your life, God's there for you. There's this, there's that. And you know what percentage of the Bible talks about that? Probably like 7.6%. I mean, I just made that up. <laughs> but not much. And so, like, I can't just tell you the things you want to hear. Some of it's not even true. And the part of it that is true, it's not even talked about that much in the Bible. But the temptation is that we elevate that because it's easier to preach those messages than to preach even what I started this message off with, probably hitting some sensitive notes with some of you on, on what 2024 is going to bring. And even when it comes to the church family, Right? It's not my job to be for you or against you. That's where pastors get into trouble all the time, right? Like, they, they just kind of get with a certain group and a certain clique or, or the people that, that, that give the most or the people who've been there the longest. And, and you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever, you know, been a part of a church, the, the, the pastor seems to kind of have his crowd. I try really hard not to do that because, you know, I'm, I'm not really for any of you or, and I'm not against any of you. Ultimately, what am I for? I, I'm for, like, just faithfully following what God's called for me to do is a shepherd of the family of God here at Light of the World. Even when it comes to family. It's easy before your kids or your spouse or whatever. I'm, I'm not for them and I'm not against them. I mean, do I wish them? Well, yeah, but ultimately, if there's an argument, I'm not for one or the other. I'm for ultimately what, what's right, what's true, what's the word of God. And, and even if like someone is taking a side against someone on my family, I, I, you don't pick family just because they're family. Now, some people be like, no, of course you, no, you don't. It's like the commander of the army of God. Are you for God's children or are you against them? Neither. Because he's for God. The same is true for my friends. And I, I mean, I think they'll tell you, like, if I just kind of call it how I see it. I mean, as you hear me and know me in, in, in this role as pastor, I mean, I'm, I'm that way with, with my friends. I'm, I'm not for them, I'm against them. I mean, do I like them? Yes. Are they my friends? Yes. But does that mean like I, I just always side with them on everything they think or they do or I do whatever? They, no. And conversely, on the other side, which is oftentimes harder, like the people you don't like, I mean, it's easy to be against them, but I'm not for them and I'm not against them either. I mean, even I don't personally like them, I got to still ultimately decide what's truth, what's right, what's God's will, even in dealing with those situations. So as I mentioned, 2024 gets to be potentially, and I'm not claiming to be a prophet here, I have no idea how 2024 is going to turn out. Could it be extremely ugly? Absolutely it can. 
But one thing I, I, I want to make clear as we're going into 2024, I'm not going to pick a side based upon the vote of, of where most of you stand. Because I'm neither for you or against you. I mean, I love you. Don't hear me say that, that I don't. But ultimately, I'm, I'm for following God. I'm not picking a side based upon politics. Now, some people will say, well, it, it, it sounds like you're being political. No, if a political group or individual lines up with what the word of God says, then so be it. But I don't really care about the politics of it. When it came to COVID, for those of you who were around, I mean, I, I took a stance that really, I, I know other pastors did, but I didn't know any other pastors that did. And, and as every, everyone was shutting down one after another, after another, after another, I mean, I, I just felt strongly in my heart that God was saying, no, don't do that. And, and I've joked about it, and it's not a joke, it's real. Like, in keeping open and being obedient to what I felt like God was leading me to do, I'm like, this is not going to turn out well. But it's not for me to decide I'm going to do something or not to do something because it's not going to turn out well. I'm thinking, like, I started this church, I literally did, out of my house 23 years ago. And have, you know, ministered to it over the last 23 years and, 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 and grown it during that time. You know, God's grown it. But I've sat there and thought, you know what? In the course of, like, the next six months, three, four, five, six different people dies in this congregation. You know what? I, I took a very bold stance by going different than what all the other churches. It's not going to turn out well. Like the congregation's just going to implode. And you know what I thought to that? The Bible says the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. So blessed be the name of the Lord, right? Because I'm not for something or against it. I'm, I mean, I'm just simply trying to follow God's will. So when we get into the nasty politics of 2024, I don't, don't expect me to just jump on the wagon. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if, there's, if it's going to end up being like, just like any other year. And if it is, great. I don't know if it's going to be like just you know, some, a little bit of civil unrest or, or more. But like, however that turns out, right? I'm neither for it nor against it. I'm simply for following what God's will is in the situation. And I encourage that for each of you as we enter into 2024, that you'd approach life in the same way, that you'd follow the, the, the Lord and that you'd be neither for things nor against things because in the end, all that you really desire to do is to follow the, the will of God in your life. Even if it's gonna hurt and it's gonna hurt really bad or you think it's gonna not turn out well, you just simply follow what God is calling you to do. And part of that is, is you gotta know the word of God. Because if you don't know the word of God, how are you gonna know what God is calling you to do? He, he speaks to us through his word. Which leads me to the next Bible passage I want to share with you this morning. Uh, so Israel, throughout the course of their history, would be obedient to God and, and be not obedient to God. And there was a period of time where they really lost God's word and God's law. And there was a time in which they were restoring the, the temple 
And as part of restoring the temple, they stumbled upon the law of God again. And I want to share with you that story from 2 Chronicles 34, 14 to 21. Now, while they were bringing out money that had been taken into the temple of the Lord, Hilkiah, the priest, found the book of the law of the Lord that had been given through Moses. Hilkiah said to Shaphan, the secretary, he said, I found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. And he gave it to Shephan. And Shephan took the book to the king and he reported it to him. Your officials are doing everything that has been committed to them. They've paid out money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the supervisors and the work workers. And then Shaphan, the secretary, informed the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. And when the king heard the words of the law, he tore his robes. And he gave orders to Hilkiah, Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, Abdon, the son of Micah, Shaphan, the secretary, and Isaiah, the king's attendant. Go and inquire of the Lord for me, for the remnant in Israel and Judah, about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that is poured out on us, because those who have gone before us have not kept the word of the Lord, and they have not acted in accordance with all that is written in the book. So, King Josiah inquires of the, of the Lord what's to become of, of, of this book and of Israel. And, and, and this is God's answer to the king. You know, before him, they neglected the word of God. And so God punished Israel. And when I'm using Israel, I'm really speaking of the south at this point, Judah. And then under Josiah, they find it and they celebrate it and they follow it. So God says that as long as you're alive, as long as you're king, no punishment's going to come upon this land. But when he dies, they're going to go back to neglecting the word of God. And they will become shipwrecked in their faith once again. It's an interesting thing about losing the word of God and even having access to the word of God. Here's one thing that I find interesting. Like, I don't think we appreciate what a privilege and what a blessing it is that you and I have access to the word of God at our fingertips. Like right now, every one of us probably on our phone has the Bible app and we can touch a button and we can read the word of God. Do you know like how uncommon that is throughout all of human history? Because if we go back to... Even in the time of Jesus, they, they have the Old Testament in place at this point, but there's not a printing press. People don't have their own copies. There are some copies out there, but they're at the local synagogue. So if you're going to hear the word of God, you, you've got to go to your house of worship where it will be read to you. And that is your only access to God's word. And, and even when you go out from there and, and, and to, 
honestly, until the time of the, the Middle Ages and the time of the Reformation, before the printing press is, is even developed, once again, people don't have in their hands a copy of the Word of God. Even worse than that, like the, 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 the Catholic Church would not allow that Word of God to be translated out of its uh, either original language or, or Latin. And so as, as they would have their services, their masses, like the priests would just, everything would be in Latin. And that's great, but no one was speaking it really anymore at that time. You'd be in Germany, and it's in Latin. First of all, everyone was uneducated anyways and, and couldn't even like really read and write anyways. On top of that, it's being spoken in a language. You have no idea what's even being said. You're just showing up to church. Uh, the, the priest is saying some stuff you don't understand, and, and that's the extent of it. And it'd be that way in Germany, and, and it'd be that way in England. It, like People didn't understand the word of God. They not only didn't have access to it, when they went to church, they have no idea what's being said. And, and even when people, the early reformers were trying to put it into the, the native language so that the people could understand it, and then with the invention of the printing press, actually get copies in their hands, like the church was trying to put to death those who were putting it into the language so that the people could understand it. And here you and I are. When, and honestly, even in the state, not every, not every place has the Bible in their own language. It's, get, it's getting there where almost everyone has access to it. But we're, we're still not even in a day and age in which everyone has access to it. And you and I have it on our phones, and like we don't even appreciate that. I think I shared a few weeks ago, like I think 10% of Christians have actually read the entire Bible. What would, what would people have... 200, 300, 500, 1,000, 2,000 years ago, what would they have done to be able to have access to the word of God and to be able to read it? And you and I have 24-7 access to it. And probably most of us do not. We just celebrated Christmas a week ago. And, and, and we know what Christmas means. We, it means the Son of God coming into this world. And, and we know that if you believe in the Son of God, you're, you're saved. If you don't, you, you're not saved. You're condemned to hell. I mean, that's what the Bible teaches us. It's not real popular, and churches are even afraid to say that nowadays, but it's really what God's Word says. But I don't know what, if we fully realize just who that Jesus was and is that was born into this world. He's not only the son of God, but he's the word of God. Look at John 1, verses 1 to 14. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. And in him, that is, the word was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. That light shines in darkness, and in darkness has not been able to overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness testifying to the light so that through him all might believe. Now he himself was not the light. He came only to witness the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. 
And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word of God became flesh. The word of God became flesh. The word of God became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. You see, Jesus is not just the son of God. Jesus is the word of God made flesh. When we reject the word of God, we reject Jesus. When we neglect the word of God, we neglect Jesus because he is the word made flesh. It's that word that guides us through the steps of this life and ultimately the steps to eternal life. Look at Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We need God's word to know how to live, to know where to go, to know what to do, to know whether to follow the crowd when everyone else is closing with COVID. And, and, and for those of you who, who like are newer to this place, I, I left this part out. Like I thought like the whole ministry would collapse and I lost our biggest giver and I lost probably a third of the congregation, but I, no one was lost to COVID. No one died of COVID here. And the Lord gave back that third that left and then another third on top of that, right? I, how do you make those decisions? Well, you need his word to be a lamp into your feet and light to your path. You also need to be able to have ears that, that, that hear God as he speaks through his word to you. Jesus says this about salvation. Matthew 7, 12 to 14. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Do to others as you'd have them do to you. And then he says this, enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many will enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few will find it. Now think about that. If, if, if the road is wide that leads to destruction, you don't really need a light to navigate a wide road. Even in darkness, you can probably do that okay. But, but God's word is a light into our path and a lamp into our feet. And we're told by Jesus that the path to salvation is, is narrow and we live in dark times. So imagine walking on a narrow path at night because we live in darkness, in a time of darkness, and, and you're on a narrow path and you don't have any light to illuminate that path. How's that going to work out for you? Now, think about that. It's dark. You, you're, you're walking out in like a mountain 
or a cliff or whatever, that path is narrow, it's dark. Do you want to be walking that narrow path without any light? None of us do. That's why we have to anchor ourselves in the word of God because if that path is narrow, we need God's word that's lamp and a light unto our feet to illuminate that path so that we might follow it. So as we head into this new year, potentially a turbulent year, make sure that you're rooted in God's word. Set a goal to learn God's word better. If only on average 10% of Christians have read through the Bible from cover to cover, here's the commitment you need this year to make that where you can become one of those who have. It only requires like 15 minutes a day. 15 minutes a day, every day, will get you through the Bible in a year. If you've never read through the Bible in a year, can you give God just simply 15 minutes? And I hope you can. Now, if I'm going to be honest with you, there's going to be some sections of, the, of those readings that, that you're reading or if you're listening to it, however you want to do it, like there, you're not going to know what in the world it's talking about. That's all right. Just go through the process of doing it. There's going to be many other parts that, that, that will like open your eyes and, and, and like open your mind. And truth be told, the more you do it and the more you read it, I mean, the more, the, the less some of those passages, unless it's just a listing of like 50 names in a row, I mean, but like, then it's like becomes, it makes more sense and it all kind of fits together, but, but you have to start somewhere. So I'm asking you, consider committing 15 minutes a day if you've never read the Bible through. And if you have, maybe read it through again. Because you know what? Most of humanity would have given anything to have the access to the word of God that you have. Consider joining a Bible study in the new year. Now that Bible study might be here at Light of the World and we've got a Tuesday morning one men for men. We also have like three different ones on Wednesday evening, two for you know, men or women, one specifically for, for women. You know, we've got three different ones that go on on Sunday mornings. But maybe it's one in your neighborhood. Maybe it's, you know, there's other places that you can go as well. Just get, get in God's word. And, and a lot of us, like, we don't want to go to Bible studies because we're afraid that, like, when we're there, the pastor's going to say, turn to whatever page. Well, we don't have that problem anymore. Like, you know, the, the, the worst part for me as a pastor is, like, when someone says, turn to, you know, Habakkuk, whatever. I mean, like, I know people are watching how long it's going to take the pastor to get there. And you guys feel the same. Like when we do that, you're thinking that book, I don't even know that that's in the Bible. And, you know, but we don't have to deal with that anymore because it's on our phones. And no one knows how long it took you to get there. And all you got to do is type it in and it's there. And, and, and you're like, you know, you don't want to sound stupid. So you don't want to go Bible study. Listen, Bible studies are where we go to learn, not to teach, right? So we're going there because we don't know everything and we want to learn more. And I'll tell you, even for myself, there's never a Bible class that I don't teach that I don't learn from. I teach them so that I can learn. And know this, as you learn more, your ability will be to share more. It's hard to share about Jesus if we don't know about Jesus, 
right? I don't know much about cars. So if I'm in a group of guys that are talking about repairing cars, I don't say a whole lot because I don't want to sound like an idiot. I don't even know what cars look like. I'd be around a group of people like they can spot what type of car it is from a mile away. Short of a Corvette, I'm not sure I can recognize anything. So I, I don't engage in those conversations either, right? Because I just don't know. Same thing when it comes to the Word of God. If, if we're not reading God's Word, if we're not going to Bible studies, if we're not learning, how, how can we share if we don't know ourselves? So the more we know, the more we can share. And, and you're going to hear things from time to time from your teenage kids or from your coworkers, or your friends. Well, God just wants me to be happy. Yeah, it is funny. But if you haven't read the Bible, you wouldn't know that's funny. Because that's not exactly just what God wants from you. But how do you know that if you haven't read it? You know, people tell you, you know, like the Bible says, this too shall pass. No, it actually doesn't say that. Cleanliness is next to godliness. It actually doesn't say that. This is a personal one. Love the sinner, hate the sin. It actually doesn't say that. God will not give you more than you can handle. Doesn't say that. God helps those who help themselves. Doesn't say that either. Now, I'm not saying that there may be, in some of these, some of those concepts aren't there, but the Bible doesn't say all those things, and, and people quote them like it's coming from the Bible itself. And you're not going to know that unless you read the Bible. The more you read it, the more the Bible says you go to, so forth. Like, even to this day, like, I mean, obviously, I don't have the Bible memorized, but people will tell me all the time, well, you know, the Bible says this, and I'll be like, well, where does it say that? Because even though I don't have it memorized, I've, I've worked with it so long that, like, in my gut, I can 99.9% .9 of the time know if something's true or something's not. Be in the Word, because the more you're in it, the more you know the more you'll share. And then lastly, this. Know God's will. Know his word and know his will for your life. Follow the example of the commander of the army of the Lord. I'm neither for something and I'm not against it. And how you parent in 2024, make that be your goal. And how you treat your family, let that be your goal. And the type of people you allow in your life, let that be your goal. And how you deal with temptation, let that be your goal. And how you deal with people you don't like at work, let that be your goal. And how hard you work in the jobs that you choose, in the vehicles that you choose, and how you vote, and how you talk, what you watch, and what you listen to. Like the commander of the army of the Lord, I'm neither for something or against it. But what we're for is God and his will. And you gotta know his will to be able to follow it. This year may turn out to be a very turbulent year. And the only way that you're gonna survive and not become spiritually shipwrecked is if you anchor yourself in the word of God. I leave you with Matthew 7, 24 to 27. Jesus says this, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. What was the rock? Let's go back and say it again. It's those who hear the words of mine and put them into practice. That's being anchored in the word of God. The wind and the rain, it's gonna beat on your house, but you will stand. And everyone who hears these words of mine, but does not do them, does not put them into practice, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And when the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house, it fell and great was the fall of it. The rain and the flood, one way or the other, is coming. Maybe in 2024, maybe just in terms of our nation, maybe just in terms of something within your own family or your private life or, or what have you. And if it's not gonna be 2024, it'll probably be 2025 or 2026. It's coming, right? The rains and the flood and the wind. Anchor yourself in the word of God and you will stand firm. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Gracious Almighty God, we just thank and praise you for this time to come together as the family of God here this morning to celebrate the coming of this new year. I pray your blessing upon everyone here uh, this morning. Uh, I pray a, a blessed new year for each and every one of them, however you, you deem that, that blessing uh, to be given. But I pray, gracious God, for each and every person in here that we would anchor ourselves in, in you and in your word. And when difficulties arise, gracious God, as everything is crumbling around us, uh, we don't have to fear any of it because it's in you that we've built our trust. It's in you we, we have our hope and it's in you we have our certainty of, of not only protection in this life, but the ultimate blessing of the life that is to come. We pray this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.